Hi guys and welcome back to another week of the Rugby Collective podcast. Just me and Will this week. Obviously we had a great guest last week and I hope you really enjoyed that podcast. But um, yeah, it's just me and Will, so a bit more boring this week. However, we have just come back off uh, the European fixtures. They're gone now. We're getting into the Prem again, which is very exciting. And also we're two weeks removed from the Six Nations, which is also very, very exciting. Will, how are you? Did you watch much rugby? How was the rugby that you watched? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm very good. I, I didn't watch too much actually. I had a bit of a, a full on weekend. I had to I was up at about three o'clock on Saturday morning for a drive up to the Lake District for a suit fitting. Had one slash several Guinnesses enjoyed on Saturday. I thought afternoon. you just said you had a slash then. I was gonna say <laughs> a slash, I did. I had many slashes. One slash <laughs> one slash after an afternoon on the Guinness is quite a quite an achievement but got back had a kebab I had a meal deal and a kebab for the even for the for the whole day which was quite a quite a not great when you're on a lot of Guinness uh responsible Guinness and then the following morning back driving home again so didn't get to watch a lot of rugby watch a, a few of the highlights watch some back um caught up on all the the controversial moments I think so we can have a good chat about them um yeah. but no enjoyed it and we're going to focus on some uh European games because we had a couple of um, bits of feedback saying that uh, we were devaluing the tournament a little bit by saying the games we were we we didn't I don't know what was the words we didn't really care about some of the games last week James yeah um, and that was well, a bit disrespectful so we're going to be we're going to be trying to put a little bit more effort in with some of these games aren't yeah, we yeah we'll go into it a little bit more but I still have the sentiment and we asked the public and the public agreed so I was just sure. echoing their sentiment. Um, for sure, for sure. They're not, and and you can see it by the uh, attendances. They they have gone. Whereas in general they've gone up. Um, a lot of the grounds, obviously, a lot of ticket prices have gone down this season. Um, so a lot of the grounds are a lot more full now, which is great to see. European weeks, it does seem to drop a little bit. So it's not just me saying that; it is other people, and I was just reporting what I see. So yeah, no, that's um, absolutely fine. But we take feedback on board, James. Don't we? Yes, we we grow and we, we adapt, and we are, and, we and also. As I said, it was a bit, it's a little bit boring during this round robin sort of thing. It's all a little bit weird. It's a, it seems a bit unfair, certain teams having to play certain teams. Um, but now we get into knockout stuff, it gets a bit more interesting. Teams are suddenly a bit more, you don't have all your South African teams putting out second teams and lots of teams when they're away, you put out second teams. You've got full first teams on first teams and you've got some proper. Um, knockout fixture, so it'll get a lot more exciting um, towards the end of the season. Absolutely. Uh, before we get into Europe, we have got some news, and again, a lot of it is from Exeter because again, they're losing more and more players by the hour. It seems like at this moment, um, Van Heerden has gone immediately, uh, and he has gone to Stormers. Yeah, apparently, um, important to note. Apparently, that was due to family reasons, wasn't it? And personal stuff. Yes, mm. personal reasons, but he didn't seem very happy, apparently. Um, but that's a bit of a loss because he's a good player. Only 25 years old. I didn't know he was that young. Um, yeah, very dynamic because of second Yeah, round. so a, a big loss. Uh, it also, this hasn't been confirmed, but it's being reported on multiple news outlets that Harry Williams looks like he's going to be signing with Montpellier next season um, to go and join Luke Dickey and Sam Simmons, I believe, that are going there. Um, so. so Montpellier is going to become the new Exeter by the look of it. Yeah. Um, I've always rated Harry Williams, you know, it's a pretty so I think he summed up a lot of what Exeter did really as the as a, a tight head over at over at the Chiefs. So I've, I've 
I've always yeah. admired his, his stuff. Yeah, he was getting on a little bit though. Well, so... he's only he's only thirty, I think. So he's thirty one. Thirty one. So he's got some years left in him for sure. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it um, depends on the contract, right? Yeah, I guess so. And also at that sort of age, you're going to be looking, especially with the salary, new salary cap coming in. He's probably not going to get an England call up. So you're looking just to go and get a little bit of money where you've got three or four good years and you left. Yeah, don't blame um, him. No, fair play to him. And also another big one, um, Freddie Burns. This seems a little bit weird when you say it out loud, but Freddie Burns has immediately left Leicester to go and sign with the Highlanders. Um, yeah, because, of course, it's Freddie Burns and it's Freddie Burns' world and we all just live in it. Um what? Sure. Aaron Smith and Freddie Burns, a 9-10 combination. I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, fair play to him. He's played all over the world now, and obviously Highlanders is a big, big franchise. Um, did anyone see that coming? I don't think so. Uh, but obviously he was technically, I guess, third choice at Leicester um, with Pollard and Atkinson coming in. So good career move, go and probably make more money and go and live in New Zealand for a couple of years and see how that goes. Yeah, and I think he definitely goes down as a Leicester club legend after, obviously, the theatrics of uh, the playoffs last season. So, yeah, why not? Fair play to him. Yeah, and uh, yeah, stepping in like he did with, obviously, their most influential player probably last season being George Ford, um, to step in for him at short notice and, and, and do what he did. Yeah, fair play. Very, very good player uh, and great servant of the uh, game. Uh Another one that, well, actually, one going in, into Exeter, this one, but may not thrill Exeter fans, really, is uh, Mike Williams um, is, is signed, has agreed to sign to Exeter from Bath, and that is immediately, I'm guessing that's as a replacement for Van Herden, Van Herden, whoever you say his name. Um, so you, you, yeah, but I'm not sure many Bath fans will be particularly off their seats by this one. Uh, yeah, I think if you look at it from a... Um... Uh, Chiefs' perspective is clear that the Van Herden move was a bit unexpected, so obviously comes straight in for a replacement, which we haven't seen with the with the other players. Um, but he's a, an experienced Premiership head, isn't he? So probably yeah. at this stage of the game, he's a good sort of um, option to to just slot in, isn't he? Have that sort of experience coming into the squad, knows what he's going to expect when when he goes and plays these other Premiership clubs, no sort of adjustment period there, I don't think. And to be fair, a lot of the Exeter forwards' job is sort of catch and run straight, right? Which I think yeah. uh, he's definitely got in the locker. Yeah, he is. He is going to be very, you'd imagine, very steady and um, and lock a yeah. lock, just a classic yeah. lock. Very classic lock, steady, but replacing a twenty-five-year-old with a thirty-one-year-old and with a lot less flair, it's probably not ideal if you're an Exeter fan, no. um, especially with all the other signings going on. Or, um losses effectively uh but fair play to mike williams going out there although i feel like is, is he not a bit injury prone that is the one thing i do worry if you've replaced someone who's disappeared off with someone who's fairly injury prone, i might have got that wrong i just feel like yeah i'm, I'm not too sure i, I wouldn't like to say either way because so I, I don't really know pick up a few injuries um also i'm not going to go through them all but leicester have signed half their squad to new contracts uh <laughs> including yeah. dan kelly and dan cole um so that's quite big for them, especially Dan Cole, I guess, because he's 36 now. So, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. he's at the top of his game, just been called back up for England. So, No, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's good uh, good to keep them back. They're still clearly performing, aren't they? So it's, you may as well keep them 
keep them there under contract regardless of age on the on a bit of paper eh? is that the performance is on the field which is what matters so um, yeah yeah can't go can't go too wrong with it credit to him yeah tom ellis i've just seen this go through tom ellis has signed on a six-week deal on loan to saracens from bath um, yes i mean i guess that's because they've lost a lock and uh, lost some a player injured and, and with the Six Nations, they'll need someone to cover in. I'm assuming that's why they've done that. Um, but also the, uh, well, it's not really big news particularly, but it's, it's a bit of news. Uh, Tom Seabrook, who's a winger slash centre uh, from Gloucester, has gone to Northampton. Yeah, uh, see, I think we've kind of conflicted on this one, aren't we, James? Well, I I just, I, I think it's, it's, I just don't, I don't think it's much news at all. He, he's, a bit part player at Gloucester, and I'd imagine he's probably a bit part player. He's going to be a bit part, bit part player at Northampton. Yeah, I think for me, I'm probably looking at it a bit to uh, sort of take the sentimental side of it a bit, bit sort of too too heavy in the the consideration of this one. But for me, I think Seabrook when he came through, he was always a very exciting player. Um, it looked like he was going to be a, a really promising twelve. Then looked like he was going to be really good at, at thirteen, and then sort of like he was doing some some work on the wing. But I don't think he really nailed down one position and kind of being that versatile, he kind of spread himself thin across the three positions. Um, I think it's interesting that Saints have listed him as a winger, so maybe he's gonna just just play on the wing for for Saints and maybe maybe he'll go really well. So I hope he does go well because there's a there's a hell of a player in there and a proper hard hitter. So yeah, I know a lot of Gloucester fans are quite disappointed to see him go. Well, it's always upsetting when you see. Um... So a player you brought through your academy leave. Um, and I think especially there's always that worry there, isn't there? Um, so lots of teams have done it before where they've let a guy go who's not uh quite hit the levels they thought he might do at their club, and then he, he goes somewhere else and rips it up, and and then you look a bit stupid, don't you? Um, and there's always that worry, I guess, when you brought someone through your academy, but at this moment in time, I guess Gloucester don't really see a way forward, um, and he's not progressing particularly enough for them. Um and and as we know, as we know, the salary cap's so tight, you can't hold on to these players if because even on someone who potentially wouldn't be on that much money is still part of your salary cap. And if you want to bring through some of your younger players, um, then then you might have to move these players on. Yep, it's a savage old business in its sport, but sometimes you it just got to make these calls. Uh, another contract renewal as well, Jack Walker, and also um, to obviously twins and Lovejoy Chawatama. Who's a prop for London, <laughs> London Irish? I did not realise his name was Lovejoy. Yeah, yeah, one of the best names in the Premier League, and, and a serious player too. Yeah, um, and that's big because I, I heard, well, I didn't hear, but I thought there was rumours. Well, that means I did hear that he might be off. Um, so good for them, and, and as we've said before about Irish, they've lost, they're losing a few players. So to keep an older, more experienced head in there is probably good news. Love an experienced head. What do you mean? Isn't he young as anything? Oh, he's 30. He's 30. Christ, I thought he was like 20. That's my bad. No, ignore me. Ignore me. That's why I said experienced head. I'm looking at his age no, right in front of me. No, yeah, fair play. No, that's that's me told. I, I don't I know how much rugby he's played, but he's quite old. So <laughs> no, I withdraw, I withdraw my comment. I withdraw my comment. Yes. As you were. As you should. Thank yeah. you for interrupting my new segment. This has been the news. Thank you. Goodbye. Uh, I like no, that. I like, that as, a, I like <laughs> yeah. that as a, as a sign off. 
Yeah, but, but don't turn off the pause because we haven't finished. We've barely begun. Um, uh, that was the injuries. No, it wasn't. It was the signings. Injuries. England have zero hookers left. Uh, obviously, they were without Luke Cowan, Dickey, Jack Singleton previously. And then in this round of European fixtures, uh, George McGurn's gone down with a knee injury. And uh, what's his name? Jamie George got knocked out by the look of it. Well, not knocked out, but he got concussed. So wow. they're right without. They're basically their top four hookers, you would probably have said. Um, they're four first choice hookers. So that means Tom Dunn and Jamie uh, Blamire have been brought into the squad. Uh, also, Elliot Daly's out because he got injured as well against Edinburgh. Those pesky Scottish players, uh, players, Scottish, yeah, Scottish players, injuring our team two weeks before. To be fair, it was actually the Saris boys trying to injure himself by the look of things for a. Uh... Yes, I know, but we'll get on. We'll get on to that. But um, Elliot Daly has been obviously very uh, controversial in previous years, but this year has looked top of his form, got his England recall, and unfortunately he's injured. But then I guess with Ollie Lawrence coming in uh, to replace him, lots of people said he should have been in the squad anyway. Been ripping it up for Bath, as we said last week. Bath would have been really happy to have kept him. Now he's uh, now he's in the squad. Uh, also, Courtney Laws is injured as well, which is another big one for a leadership standpoint. And Dave Ribbons has been brought in to replace him, which is interesting when Courtney Laws is considered a six and Ribbons is a, is a second row. Yeah, and I think you can argue the same for Daly as well as a um, as a thirteen, right? Maybe, maybe Borthwick's looking at Daly as a thirteen. Now Lawrence is coming in to fill that gap. Um, well, I think with Daly you had to with with the how well he's been playing at thirteen for Saris all season. I think you kind of had to. Well, I think he's gone well wherever he's played. Really, yeah. so it's. I, I think the popular opinion, right, was that Daly was going to be fifteen, but obviously, we with a versatile player like that, you you never really know what what the coach has got in mind, oh, especially a new coach. I can't um, get beyond Daly playing fifteen, not when. He he liked Freddie Stewart and has worked with Freddie Stewart before. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, well, for me, I think Daly, if if was still fit, was probably going to be that player on the bench that just covered wing, fullback, and thirteen. Because what a player to have! You could even put step in at ten if really needs to. So, I think that's a yeah a useful player to have on your bench. But I think Ollie Lawrence coming back in is massive. Hopefully, he gets a shot. Often you see these injury cover players coming in and then don't quite get their shot because other players are are more at the forefront. However, with the the five players in the elite playing squad, um, maybe that's going to be, maybe that was he, he wanted Lawrence in all along, but he couldn't swap him in. We, we're not too sure with that one, um, but that'll be interesting. And I think Ribbons is going to be huge as well. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty pretty happy with all the players that have come in. It's just a shame that they've had to come at expense of of a, an injury. But George, um, uh, Jamie George, I should say, um is undergoing his um, concussion protocols this week. So he could be back in the England squad by the end of the week. So important to note that. That was what I was about to say, is all of those players were in for the training camp. Um, And I was about to ask you, I didn't know whether any of them would be um, able to come back in, like, say, if they miss the training camp, but then come back in for the Scotland game. Um, Obviously, yeah, Jamie George with concussion, you'd imagine he'd probably be back for the Scotland game. Uh, dependent or uh, how bad the concussion was. But, um, yeah, pretty brutal week. And I guess, as well, the other thing about the hookers is 
it's just a shame when you're already missing uh, a couple of your, your probably because you, I'd imagine it probably would have been Luke Cowan, Dickey, Singleton, and Jamie George would have been your starting three that you've taken in your squad. Um, so to have all of those out and McGuigan, who's been brought in as a replacement, it's pretty brutal. Yeah, I, a little bit on Tom Dunn, actually. I think Tom Dunn is, is very deserving of a spot. I think he's just quite unlucky. There's quite a nice crop of hookers coming about at the moment. Um, but to be fair, if, the, if you want a player that's going to play with his heart on his sleeve and give you 110% for 80 minutes, I don't think there's probably a better option than Tom Dunn because he is he, he is passion personified, isn't he? So I, I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing him go in uh, in, a, in, a, in an England top, really. Hopefully he gets a, a shot. But who do you start, Tom Dunn or Jamie Blamire? So that's a question. I think you start Jack Walker. Oh, of course, yeah, Jack Walker, obviously as well. I, I, who's who's I think... re-signed with Quinns today? Yeah, I know. Birth. I did. I did mention that, but um, oh. uh, if if he's if he was in the one, the original one in the squad, I, I'm imagining that's the one he favours. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, also, what's happened to Nick Dolly? He burst onto the sea, made a couple of caps for England, and has disappeared into the abyss. I believe he's injured at the moment, Nick Dolly. Yeah. Um, because I was going to say, you'd have thought with obviously the Leicester connections, uh, he'd be in with a show. Um, I'm sure he's in the conversation at least. But a little bit on Jack Walker, right? I think in the loose, Jack Walker is unbelievable. I think he's, he looks a proper, proper player. And I know you shouldn't blame um, line-outs on, on the hooker alone. And as a jumper, maybe maybe that's where that's come out a little bit. But the Quinn's line-out has been notoriously quite poor this season. So I wonder how Jack Walker's going to adapt to a, a strong line-out game internationally. And and maybe that'll be a, a bit of a kick up the backside for the, the Quinns jumpers and, and lifters um in uh in, in the domestic leagues because if he goes and gets hundred percent line out throwing, then I think it might be a question to ask. That sort of takes a bit of pressure off him, doesn't it? Say, look, boys, I went went with England and didn't miss one. Yeah, no, I agree. But also the other thing to look at when you when you look at uh Tom Dunn coming in is you have got two players there with um very little uh, obviously, I know Jamie Blamire's got a few caps, but um, very little international experience. Uh, still, quite both quite young. I know Jack Walker's slightly older, but um, so yeah, for Tom Dunn to come in with that international experience, that slightly older, steady head, I think it's good to have in as a three, one of them at least be experienced. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And of course, you've got Jamie Blamire, the best percentage scoring player in England. So, so isn't he like world rugby pretty much? Yeah, is, is he still 100% games and tries? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, anyway. Prolific try scorer, man. He is prolific. Uh, and and uh, obviously, Borthwick likes a strong uh, mall game, so he, he could keep that record going if he comes in. Hey, forget about the mall. This guy's doing full-length tries and everything still, like he did last season. He, he's he's in it to win it. Yeah, not so sure. But anyway, uh, Europe. We are going to talk about Europe. Um do you, do you want a brief overview of the how everything went first, or do you want to dig into some games first? Um, do you want me to me to do the brief overview? Were you saying, or would you say as no, a no, as a no? General? Like, shall we do that first? Yeah, we can skip yeah, over some uh, some of the games quickly we, if you like. Well, uh, basically, congratulations. We're going to focus on the English teams here, being English. Um, yes, let's do well, that. Let's, let's focus on the on the well done Gloucester, Quinns, Saracens, and Exeter. Uh, and also Leicester. Yeah, no, the Rebels were crap. Well done for those teams for making it through um, into the, the knockout stage of the Champions Cup. I think it's quite big. 
Uh, it's a bit disappointing. Um, Paul B to have Sale, Irish, and Northampton. Um, Northampton not winning a single game, uh, getting knocked out. Uh, but I, I guess the only real shocker there would be Sale um, going so well in the Prem. You'd thought maybe, but I haven't seen. I can't. I can't lie. I haven't seen any of their games. I don't think. Um, so I don't know whether they're just solely focusing on the league. Yeah. Well. Um... I think was that a sale? Sorry, I lost you for yeah, a little bit yeah, there. Yeah, sorry. Sale. sale. Um, no, so sale. Um, I think they did go full noise, right? I don't know, I... but they, it's just a bit disappointing with how they were. I was saying it's a bit disappointing with how they went in the in the how they're going in the prem. Well, I think you've got to look at their team, right? So obviously the back line is pretty much untouched in in the grand scheme of things, outside of obviously your George Ford and. Um, and Rafi Quirt. Uh, well, obviously, Rafi Quirt was on the bench, actually. But in terms of starting, however, Gus Warren, Rob Dupree, we know that's not been a problem. Um, didn't they lose both of their props last week? And then they've been without them this week as well. So they've had a little bit of change up. Obviously, um, I think it was Bevan Rod that come in at one. So it's not, do you know what I mean, you're not, you're not losing too much there. Um, I think something controversial happened here in this game. Uh, Bevan Rod went off early doors with a yellow. Um, and then they had another yellow, but no, I think I think it's just a testament to how strong these other sides are, really, isn't it? Um, yeah, well, they they played to lose um, as their other team, uh, so they played Ulster and to lose, so it's not an easy matchup. Um, no, absolutely, absolutely not. I guess you maybe have expected them to at least win one game um, at home, probably beat Ulster at home. You would have thought potentially, yeah. um, but just a bit I... disappointing when you're going that well in the league. To, to drop out um, this early, but maybe that'll allow them to focus. Well, to be honest, they've dropped into the Challenge Cup. They were one of the two, because um, they finished 10th. So one of the two to, to drop into the Challenge Cup. So maybe they'll look at that as a, a good chance of winning that competition. No, de- definitely an opportunity for silverware there. Just to, to confirm on that, they lost Simon McIntyre, Akavanda Merva, Nick Shona and Kobus Visa. And then they replaced them with, bear with me, let me just... Scroll back to the other one. Um, then they replaced them with um, Bevan Rod, Ewan Ashman, James Harper, and Josh Bowman. So not bad replacements, but having like a whole front row missing is is a tough one to take, isn't it? Um, yeah. So Definitely. so that would have had a, a big effect, especially with the type of team that Sale are. Obviously, very forward orientated um, and, and power based, aren't they? So yeah, a bit of a shame that they didn't go too well in that one. But to be honest, I think they'd rather have a decent Challenge Cup run and then a. Uh, home playoff, then worry too much about uh, a European run in uh, in the Champions Cup. Yeah, definitely. Um, going into a, a game of digging into a game a bit more, uh, I feel like Leicester were robbed. Uh, I'm not going to talk about most of the game, um, but I just felt that the the decision was wrong um, at the end, which cost them the game. Uh, if you haven't seen it, basically, uh, Ospreys were on their line for about the last eight, nine minutes. I, it, the game finished in about the 87th minute or something like that. I think it was later than that. I think it was like the 92nd or something. Yes, it, it was. It went on for a while. Um, and uh, Ospreys get over the line uh, and then the referee goes, right, I haven't got a grounding of the ball. I can't see... Uh, yeah, I can't see that it's been grounded. Um, so obviously that means the TMO has to see clear evidence of the ball being on the floor over the line. And 
for me, when I was looking at the the, the replays, there was no there was no angle that you could clearly see that the ball was definitely over the line. Um, so for me, it shouldn't have. You couldn't give that try. Um, yeah, eighty eighth minute it was. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah. I agree with you, right? I, th I think the likelihood is with sort of the manner of the try, the likelihood is that that ball does go over. However, yeah, I agree. I agree. He probably did score it, but yeah, the, the likelihood is that the ball goes over. However, the referee's given, he, he's not given anything on the on field, has he? He's not said it's a trial or no, no try. And um, so, obviously, you then have to go for conclusive evidence that that ball is grounded. How you're well. We say, how has he seen conclusive evidence? He hasn't seen conclusive evidence in that. We've, we've seen the footage that he's looking at. Um, there's no conclusive evidence that that ball's gone over. So he simply can't award that try. Um, that being said, I think I think it's sort of like a, a mild justice, right? That the, the you, you're probably looking at like 90% likelihood that that ball goes over. However, the, the law is you need to conclusively conclusively give it on based on 100% footage that you've seen and you can't do that so it shouldn't have been given as a try but I think the likelihood is it probably was yeah if if the referee had said right I think that's a try can you just double check I, I'd have no problem with it um, because yeah it looks like he probably has scored it but yeah I don't think you've got enough to but you need you need an on-field grounding right uh, yeah you need a grounding to start with if you say if you yeah, say, no, but if, yeah, that's what I mean. If the reference given it and said, like, I, yeah, I, it's a, uh, it's a try. I can see the ball on the floor now. Can you just make sure it was properly grounded? Yeah, then, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, it's, then it's fine. Um, it also, I thought the other interesting thing about that game is there were both teams gave away fourteen penalties, and it was only past eighty minutes that a team finally got a yellow card. Yeah, that's a bit crazy, isn't it? Twenty-eight penalties before a team got a yellow card. Um, that strikes me as, and I think that's been a theme. Um, not to slag off the refs too much, but it's been a theme of recent what I've seen over the um, European fixtures. We should actually maybe be a bit grateful in England of the referee standards because some of the refereeing I've seen has been awful. Um, the positioning of some of the refs, they just get in the way. They seem to get in the way all the time. Um, the amount of balls I've seen, like uh, passing lanes, the referees have been stood in. Or, or times they've got hit with a ball or players have run into them. It's crazy. Um, and also some of the red card decisions, we're not going to go to the reds because the reds was more of a topic of last week and we never really got into it. But some of the decisions have been atrocious. Yeah, and I think what you what you've I think the overall issue there is when we talk about the the premiership refs, we often talk about a different um sort of interpretation of the laws between referees, and that causes obviously bigger issues when you go from game to game. I think what you, you've got here is different interpretations in general between the different leagues that these refs are coming from. So once you take yeah. them into a, a single competition, you've got three sort of different refereeing standards all coming together. And then it's a bit of a lottery, which interpretation of an interpretation you're going to get from each ref from, from each league. So it, um, it's never going to go well when there's such a refereeing sort of difference between leagues and competitions and um and individuals, is it? But yeah, let's let's not focus too much on the rest because no, I, I didn't want to. I just wanted to yeah uh, mention that. Uh, well done to Gloucester. I thought they put in a stellar second half performance against a strong Bordeaux. Um, it's a bit I of a think, shock. I think it's, their best, it's their best performance of the season. I think. Yeah, I, I would say, especially 
especially second half. Um, they're against um, all odds. Obviously, Billy 12 trees in at 10, obviously not starting 10. Um, and yeah, putting a really, really strong second half performance against a pretty much full noise Bordeaux. Um, at, at at home, they don't. I know lots of people have said about Bordeaux, and but they don't lose many at home. Um, they are still fourth in the top fourteen. Um, so yeah, good, great result for Gloucester. Obviously, that got them through and um allowed them to qualify. Um, so yeah, I thought a really good performance there. Um, and Agreed. the only other one I was going to talk about a bit more was the Edinburgh game, which I thought was slightly interesting. Um. If you hadn't seen, basically, Edinburgh finished fifth in Pool A, and they were they finished exactly level on points and point difference with Saracens. However, Saracens finished fourth above them because Saracens scored more tries in the tournament. Um, now, basically, Edinburgh had the ball at the end of the game, um, and they could have tried to go for more points. But they were playing into the wind. Um, so even if they won a penalty, they were on about the halfway line. But even if they won a penalty, they wouldn't have been able to go for post because the wind was strong enough. They they, they didn't have a kicker who could get it. Um, so they decided to kick the ball off the pitch. Um, now, obviously, if they got, got even like a penalty, they would have gone fourth. And obviously, the, the, the relevance of this is they would have had a home. They would have had a home um, quarter uh, or last 16. Um, against Munster, oh no, they went against Ospreys. Sorry, rather than an away day to Leicester. So uh, yeah, that is it was an interesting decision. I thought it was worth. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the I think the decision afterwards that has been voiced from the coaches, I've said they they didn't want to, they didn't they didn't want to lose the like the feeling of losing to Saracens of, of winning to Saracens. Sorry, so they didn't yeah. want to risk it and then lose. However. In the grand scheme of things, with the table, that wouldn't have made a difference, anyways. If if they had lost, they still would have stayed in the same spot. Um, so, bit of an interesting one, really. I think re- realistically, they just didn't look at the permutations that could have been with the different points and and all of that sort of good stuff. Well, also um, with Sarri's in the position they were, and they know like Sarri's on right on the edge of, um, right on the edge of not of of potentially getting an away semi final. I feel Saris would have kicked the ball out anyway. Yeah, probably. Probably like so. If, if you're that on the edge, you're not going to play on because say you then give away a penalty, Edinburgh can get on the pitch, then you, you, you're you just going to throw away a home home uh, round of 16 anyway. I think that's a semi-final there. What am I saying? But anyway. Well, mind you, they were letting concussed players come back onto the pitch and play. So so who knows oh, what would have happened. that was Jamie George, wasn't it? I yeah. Apparently he got winded. Um, How he got winded in that was... Unbelievable! What? How it was winding that overtook that concussion thing, and now he's got to go through concussion protocols this week as well. I think it's a bit of a crazy decision, well, but there did we he are. come back off? He went on. The, oh, oh, I know what actually happened. I read about this. So he went through the HIA thing, came back yep. on, and then the independent doctor then pulled him off the pitch. Right. Okay. Um, crazy, crazy stuff. Well, that should mean a fat fine for Saracens or whatever punishment. Yeah, if that is the case, it should do, definitely. Um, yeah, because I, that is what I've read. Um, I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what I read, that an independent doctor then had to pull him off. Um, he had to pull him yeah. off? Break it. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was his punishment. He's not allowed on the pitch. That's pretty um, steep. He had a concussion then got pulled off. There you are. Yeah. 
Uh, they're all be at it next week. Um, uh, <laughs> and fifteen concussions early talks. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, the Saracens. I'd imagine will get some sort of punishment for that because you can't be allowing concussed players yeah. to go back onto the pitch. It'd be interesting to see how that one goes, won't it? Interesting to see indeed. Yes. Um, I guess the only thing left to say is is the roundup really of. Um, Was that all the English teams? We haven't missed an English team, have we? We missed a couple, but. Irish drew with Montpellier, but they're out, so they had nothing. It's it a bit of a nothing game. And decent Queens, result though, actually getting a getting a draw at Montpellier. To be fair, Queens beat Sharks fairly comfort- comfortably. Um, yeah, Northampton lost to La Rochelle, didn't they? Extra batter cast, but cast have looked awful this tournament. I don't um, think I've watched a single cast game. From what I've seen of them, they've not looked great. They lost all four games, so well <laughs> speaks for itself. Yeah. Anyway, um, going forward, but, round of 16, that's the FUM section. Uh, again, well, I'll read through them all quickly. Sarri's got Ospreys in a, in a great game. That should be if everyone's fit and firing. Um, Sharks have got Munster. Again, taste. all of these are tasty, I yeah, think. Yeah, that'll be a very um, tasty game, that one. Stormers have got Quins. So Quins have got to go all the way to South Africa, which I bet they're loving. Um, Toulouse are playing Bulls. Um which again, yeah, great game. La Rochelle have got Gloucester in a game where you probably imagine La Rochelle would be winners, but um, a good weekend, Leicester, yeah, you can never tell. But uh, Leicester have got Edinburgh, Exeter are hosting Montpellier, and Leinster are playing Ulster in an all Irish uh, lineup. So I think, apart from that Leinster Ulster game, every other game is like out of um tournament, which is good to see. Because we said this last year where everybody kept playing teams in their own um, division, well, t- like in their own tournament, as, uh, like the top 14 in the URC or whatever. So it's good to see, because that's what you really want to see, isn't it? You want to go and either have a fun away day or watch some uh, watch a team you don't normally get to see. Yeah, no, I agree. Definitely agree. So, um, yeah, it's definitely good. And there's some def- like massive fixtures. There. I'm just looking at the, the actual tree as a whole. I think that left side of the tree is so competitive compared to the right. I think you look at the teams you've got there, you've got Leinster and Toulouse, who are probably your favourites at this stage, I'd say. Uh, um, I think it's Leinster, Toulouse and La Rochelle. Well, La Rochelle haven't gone as well as they went last year, but maybe they, they still mean, got the players there. They won all four games, so... Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've been as convinced with La Rochelle as I, I was last season. Uh, and that's that's coming from a an avid La Rochelle fan. Because I do love yeah, the way they play. They won all four games and got three bonus points. Uh, two bonus points, sorry. No, three no, bonus points. To be fair, yeah, it's not bad. It's not so, bad. So, I mean, three bonus point wins. I don't think you can really say, oh, they've been awful. Basically, mate, if they play if they play Bottier, they're going to win the thing. Going to win it all. Um, yeah. All the matters. Yeah, so... Yeah. It's going to be... 7-3 against Ulster, though. Do you know what I mean? That's, that, that's a tough old result, mate. Right? Tough old result. Yeah, um, the, weather, the weather conditions were horrible. Um, right, we'll talk more about this European round of sixteen because it's not happening until the end of bloody March, so we've got a while. Yeah, when we get there. <laughs> yeah, when when we eventually get there. Uh, before we're going to do something really cool and mind break blowing and mind break it, not mind breaking. You've never seen it before. You probably have everywhere, but we're going to do a Six Nations thing. But first, we're going to talk about the hottest topic of the week. 
RFU making a cock of itself. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I yes. was wondering if we were going to talk about this because yes. I almost don't even want to entertain it. Well, it, it, I play more than you. Fair. Good, so good point. So I will go about it first. If you haven't seen, you've been living in a box. Uh, but basically, the RFU have brought in that from every level below the championship, so uh, Nat 1 all the way down, in all levels of rugby, men's, women's, uh, and kids, the tack- the proposed tackle height will now be waist height and lower, and anything above that is a high tackle. Now, I mean, I've never seen any rule or anything being so unanimously hated because it's just ridiculous. Um, you can't. It's it's just every game is going to be penalty every two minutes. Um, and also I saw. I'm going to keep it short because I've got so much like in my head that's not really, but it's just, it's just stupid. And also, yeah, the one thing I saw is most concussions come not from head in like head contact on head. I think it said they did a study and it's basically like 80% of um, concussions come from like hits the lower body. Like you're much more likely to be knocked out from a knee or from a hip than you are from head on head contact. Um, Yeah. Well, on, on my on my vote, it was sixty one percent was knee or hip contact, um, eleven percent high tackles, eleven percent mix of sort of but like a, an even mix between the two, and then seventeen percent other. And then the comments sort of said were mainly breakdown competitions or sort of like fights and stuff that that broke out as a as a result. Yeah, but I, they did actually did scientific research into it and it was something like 80% don't happen from like head on head or high tackles it was something like that I don't want to get it wrong but it, it was along those lines and yeah I just I just can't get behind it you just A it's going to be nearly impossible to referee if they do go in super hot like they're going to have to it's literally going to be penalties every two seconds uh, I watched a funny um, TikTok about it and it was a guy saying he was commentating over a, a load of amateur rugby videos and literally it was about a minute long and every single tackle on it, all of them perfectly fine tackles, most of them around the midriff, um, like upper chest, most of them, all literally every single one, high tackle penalty, high tackle penalty. And it's just it's just gonna be a come a farce. Um, and also, how do you expect players to change the way some of these players have been playing 20, 30 years, and you suddenly expect them to go like that overnight and and change the way they play? Yeah. Well, I think you'll be okay if we're looking at it from a personal perspective, James. I think you'll be okay because you can actually chop tackle pretty well. Um, yeah, I do. I I do not chop tackle well at all. That is not not in my vocabulary. So on those rare occasions I do run out, I don't think it's going to go too well. Just from like again looking at it from a personal perspective, the amount of people in our our group chat, James, as well, who have already said they'll be taking a, a back seat and maybe retiring or, or not coming to play because they just can't. Well, outside of not wanting to learn that new tackle technique, actually getting there, you know, like going down and making that tackle, they physically can't get there. So, it's, yeah. yeah. Also, you're quite tall. Um, I'm giving away spoil—not spoilers, but but um, yeah, Relative. giving away what you look like now. But you're quite a tall man. Um, very, very handsome as well. Yeah, I won't go that far. But six foot four ish, <laughs> I think. Five, but we'll, we'll okay. call it six, that's four, ish. That's fine. 
if you are going to tackle a five foot eight man around the waist, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to get down that low. Yeah, no, it is. You're right. Um, it is. Good. It's, that, that's, that's the difference, right? For, I think you look at certain scenarios. I think you, you flip that as well. If I'm, if someone shorter, if, if I'm going for a, a pick, a, um, a pick and drive sort of five out and someone has to go down for my legs, there's quite a good chance, unless it's an unbelievable hit and maybe even a double hit, that they put in a good tackle and I just naturally with momentum will flop forwards and be able to top uh, 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 put the ball down just because of the way they have to tackle in that situation. Um, that's the thing. If a nine picked and went off the side of a, a ruck or something, it'd be almost impossible for me to get down as a split-second decision to make uh, make that tackle. Well, um, that's the thing, isn't it? Anywhere near the try line, anyone leaning forward to go, yeah, just gonna go forward, over. Right? how are you meant to get to their legs to stop them? Like, <laughs> they, they go forward with their upper body. And, like, how are you meant to get to their legs? What, are you meant to go round and swing them round and stop them? Like, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand what they expect yeah. to do. Also, it's like, holding up in the tackle, like, that's a whole area of the game. Well, that's just going to go, isn't it? That's just if not going to be in the game at all. Anymore. So, yeah. um, also, a lot of tackles are made almost by players running into each other. Do you know what I mean? Like, a player, a ball will score out, especially in the lower levels, because because obviously we don't play professional rugby. The level isn't... It's, it, there's lots of drop balls and that sort of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. So it ends up with balls squirting all over the place. People end up picking balls, having balls shoveled to them, ended up with balls right, right by them, and you end up just tackling the guy because you're stood right next to him. How yeah. like if he stood right next to me, I can't get low because I'm I'm already there. Like it doesn't make any sense. Do you think in the early stages there will be a higher number of tip tackles as well? I don't know. I just I feel like it's gonna be easy to easy. There's gonna be so many missed tackles because it's gonna be so easy to sort of fend off and but bump your way through tackles because you know how they're gonna to have to tackle you. Yeah, agreed. I think it's to important to know. It's going to be important to note as well, James, just literally as we've been saying this in the last five or ten minutes, um, the RFU have just released a statement. It's, it's quite a lengthy statement, so I, I don't want to, to go through it. But essentially, um, the 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 statement says, we know a lot of people are aggrieved about this, but we're going to carry on as as planned. The, 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 the scientific evidence strongly indicates it will reduce uh, incidents of head injuries in the community game. Um, so... Yeah, essentially, it's more of the same. They're, they're doubling down um, on it by the looks of things. I just think it's going to become a farce. Um, well, it could be. It could be the start of the end for. Um, well, yeah, it it really could be the start of the end. And uh, lots of local rugby's really struggled ever since COVID. And so, yeah, I think it, it's going to. Um, I don't think it's a good idea at all. Yeah. No, anyway, there we are. There we are. Quite that was a bit news, morbid, really. wasn't it? A bit morbid yeah. and dark. Yeah. Anyway, let's it, it is pretty depressing. Exciting things. The Six Nations. Six Nations is around the corner where we play proper rules and and oh, one more thing before we move on from that. Actually, one more thing oh, I, I want to say about that. Um, there's going to be players who are dual registered between the different rules. Um, so that if, if we're being honest about this, this new uh, law set is going to be, um. It's going to basically equate to two separate games, really, isn't it? In the way that they're going to be played and all, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and there's going to be players who are dual registered across both who are going to have to try and play two different 
sort of law sets. And I, I, I do think in that sort of situation, tackles become more instinctive, don't they? So you're going to have to try and instinctively change the way you tackle between one week to the next, which I think is just an impossible task. Yeah, that's the thing. When you have um, other, all every other country, if it was like a world rugby thing, that's one thing. But just English teams, like everyone coming through now is going to have to be doing the, tackling a certain way. But then you say they do become professional, they suddenly have to change how they tackle. Um, so if you're learning from from all the way from a kid, oh, you chop low, you chop low, you have to chop low. But then you then need dominant, more dominant hits like every other nation does around the world. These players won't know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a strange decision, but there we are. The science apparently backs it up. So there, there yeah, it is. Well, um, we'll see. But as you said, excited stuff. We'll go to stuff. our we're Six doing, Nations draft. Yeah, we're doing a draft. And there's only two of us, so it's not much of a draft. But basically, one of us is going to pick a player and then the other player, can't, the other person can't pick that player. Um, are we going to do this in? That's are what we going to do this says. in order of positions? Well, it's up to you. Or do you want to just do it a bit more random? Because then it's a bit less like. Because let's say if I go first, I've definitely got one, three, nine. Whereas if we just mix up and just choose, then it seems a bit more fair. Yeah. Yeah. Can do. Okay. Um, it might get a bit more confusing. I will but, need to. I will need to prepare. Well, if you, if you, I'll let you pick first. Right. Then... I'm just going to write down a team sheet. This is professional on the podcast, but I'm going to talk as I do it. Um, that's right. That's fine. So that I'm, I'm recording it I've, as well. So I know who I've picked. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve. This 30. is excellent listening. Well, it is brilliant, isn't it? I'm just counting at this point. Um, right. <laughs> Who wants to go first? I'll let you go first. I'm happy with you You having the first pick. Oh, yeah, but that's difficult because now I have to try and decide. Well, I can go first if you want. No, no, no. I was just making his... <laughs> I was just thinking and I was trying to do... make it... A podcast's not great if I just sit here thinking, is it? Um... No, true, true, true. true. <laughs> um, but what I was just going to say is if you go first, you kind of have to decide which is the most important player. It's easy. It's easy. Is it? Yeah. But first pick is so easy. Picks itself, really. You're going to say it's Antoine Dupont. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I could do that and, and block you. Or okay. I could go... The thing is, if you go... I'm going to go first, because then I get the first pick every time. So <laughs> I'm actually going to go for Furlong. Furlong. Okay. You say it like you've never heard of him. Just the, just the best tight head in the Very world. Long. Who's that's that? Who's that? that? That's fine. The best tight head in the world. If you don't know him, um, the, obviously the Irish, number three, absolutely brilliant. Can do it all. Can step, can kick. Yeah, yeah. no, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, I've also decided that we're going to do Serpentine because that's more fair. What do you mean? So no, it's not. We're not yeah, doing Serpentine. No, no, no. Definitely are. I'm going for Dupont as my is my yeah, first okay, pick. You're going for um, oh, I think it picks itself. Best player in the world. Um, probably well, easily the best nine in the tournament. And I think there's a little bit of a drop off at the moment in nines. Maybe I don't want to say the other one, but there's a, a certain player that I think is is quite close. But I think Dupont is by far and away the best in the competition. So I'll go for Dupont. I think I get the next pick as well, right? Well, it depends how you're doing it. Yeah. No, why not? Because then I get two. So. 
yeah yeah, I, yeah see it's fair um i am going to go for i'm gonna go for gary ringrose at 13 um Ooh. mainly because i know you love him and i think he's excellent so i'm gonna go for him at 13 i think there's another 13 who is very close to him again um which i, I reckon you might pick but yeah i'll go for for gary ringrose as my 13 not gonna lie, I didn't even have him down as a thirty. Wow. Oh, can I just can I just add this? Um, as we're doing this, Jamie Shawcock has just signed for Tigers. Oh, well done. And so is Finn Theobald Thomas. Wasn't he at Gloucester? He was. He was briefly from uh, both obviously Worcester players. So they've both signed for him next season, I think. So there you go. Just a little inter interruption there. Right. Well. Yeah, I kind of have my 13s down. So I hadn't got Ringrose at 12. I had Ringrose down as a 12. I know he doesn't ever play 12. Yeah, just just do. making stuff up, are you? Just well, just I, there's not over. that many dominant 12s, I don't think. No, I, I don't think it's the best shape of 12s, this, this no. current situation. In previous years, you've had Vakatawa, you've had uh, Dante. Um, and sure. Henshaw, I love Robbie Henshaw. Um, yeah. So we haven't got any of them. Nope. I'm going to go actually for maybe a bit of an out there shout, but I'm going Tag Burn. Tag Burn. Yes. What position are you playing, Tag Burn? Uh, five. Five. Okay. Don't fancy him at six. No. Um. Okay. Because he, he effectively acts like a six, but plays at five. So no, he's he's a fantastic player as well, isn't he? No doubt, one of the best forwards in the in the tournament. So I think that's a very good yeah. shot. I did have him down, to be honest, but um, that's yeah. okay. We can, well, that's we what I'm looking address. at. There's no point in me picking a nine now, because no, that's it. Yeah, or a thirteen. I, well, yeah, but then I could. I think I know who you're going to pick at twelve. Yeah, I expect so. And if you do, I could have played him at thirteen because there's lots of players you can move around, isn't there? True. Um, I'm gonna go for Damien Pinot. Okay, very good shout. Very good shout. He was on my list. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna talk about Burn. Burn, unbelievable over the ball. Um, he's he does so much more than your traditional lock. Um, as you said, can play six, but also a great lineup option. And then Damien Pinot, yeah, does it all. Um, unbelievable. Uh, I think he scored the most tries last year in the international rugby. And he's just great at everything. So, yeah, Damien Pinot. Are you playing Pinot on the wing? Yes, I know I you've am. got a bit of a thing for Pinot at centre, don't you? But that's No, fine. you do. You literally do. You kept saying he's a centre and I kept saying he's a wing. No, that is that is factually incorrect. There'll be someone who's listened to the podcast from, from our early episodes that will factually disprove that. Okay, but I disagree with you. A million percent. Pinot's a winger through and through. He has played 13, but Pinot's a winger through and through. Um. Okay, back to me, back to me, back to me. Right, who have we got and who have you got? Let's go for, spice it up a little bit, and let's go for... I've done it again. I'm going to go for a Toji. Fairs. I um, thought you were. Yeah, obviously, kind of speaks for himself. Probably not the best form we've seen him in, um, but even when he's not in his best form, he's still a phenomenal player. Um, absolute disruptor around the field, athletic as they come, uh, great sort of four option. So I'll tell you what, yeah. 
Have we made sure all these players are definitely in the squad? Because we're going to get rinsed if they're not in the squad. So I believe, I believe the ones I've got listed down are. Furlong is. I'm not. I'm assuming Tag Burners. Yeah, Tag Burners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why have I written Dupont on mine? I don't have Dupont. You don't have Dupont. Stop trying to steal my players. Wait, and then I'm going to go for at 12. I'm going to go for, and I think you think I'm going to go for Gael Fiku, but I'm not. I'm no. going to go for Yoram Morifana. Oh, I thought you were going to go for Ali Lawrence. I'm not uh, no, well, to be honest, I see him more than 13. Um, yeah. And I think as excellent as he is, I think there's a lot of proven talent in the um, in the international stage, which sort of jump over him at this very current moment in time. So I'm going to go for, for Morifana at 12 with Ringrose at 13, because I just think that is absolute filth. It is. Who should I... How many players should I have? Three or four? For what? Oh, just so far. So you've picked yeah. so far. You should have three so far. You've, you've got Furlong, Byrne and Pernod. That is what I've got now. But then I, I panicked because I thought I should have four. And I was like, <laughs> right, what's going on? Right, so you've taken Etosia and uh, Mofana. Right. I have indeed. I'm going to take... William Z. Yeah. Good the... shot. I kind of wanted him to be fit, so thanks for that. I don't know. Is he definitely fit? Yes. Well, he's in the squad, so I'm assuming so. Decent. Uh, uh, massive um, second row, big beast of a man. A bit more of your traditional second row, so I think he links up well with Byrne. Um, yeah. yeah. Great up line operator and gives you some grunt in that uh, in that engine room. Um, and then I'm going to take Ellis Genge. Um, bugger, we've gone a bit backwards here. I'm taking all the forwards, you've taken all the backs, but um, yeah, Ellis Genge, I think the standout uh loose head probably in the tournament. Um, yeah, can't argue I, with that. Yeah, it, uh, we don't really need to say much more about Genge, everyone knows about Ellis Genge. Yeah, um, well, that's fine. That's that's my one sorted now, then, because I know who I'm going to go Gen- for. Genjin Furlong. Oh, what a front row. Oh. It's not bad, is it? It's not bad. And with Willem Z and Byrne behind them. Oh, my pack yeah, is on fire. Absolutely not bad. Right, I need to strengthen up my front row, so I'm going to go for Dan Sheehan at two. Um, I think, for me, no doubt the best hooker in the tournament. Um, getting on for probably top three hookers in the world at the moment, um, or, or at least in that conversation. So he goes in there for me. Um, right, who else we got? Who else we got? Who else we got? So obviously your your so I've already got a hooker. You've got your props and your second row. So I don't really need to touch that area no. at the moment. Let's have a look at the back row, shall we? Shall we have a look at the back row? I'm gonna go for Van der Fleer at seven. That is a shout because I completely forgot about Van der Fleer. Yeah, well, world player of the year. Um, yeah, I know. Leinster star. He's a he's a. He, I reckon he could comfortably play in pretty much every position on the field, apart from maybe. Well, I wouldn't even rule him out of playing prop, to be honest. Um, I'm not sure he could play nine or ten. I, I bet he'd give it a go, mate. I bet you'd be pretty half about. So I'll go for Van der Fleer in. At, I'll put him seven as well. Keep him on the open side. Yeah, well, that's his position. Yeah, he can play six though, can't he? I, I sort of oh, thought yeah, that you'd yeah. go for a seven early door, so I'll, I'll put him to seven. Um, which is great. Yeah, I'm actually. Is it my go? It's my go, isn't it? It's your go. 
I'm not sure if this is thrilling <laughs> podcasting or not. I can't tell. Um, do bear with us if it's not. But I, I'm quite enjoying this. Um, I am going to go for. I I think there's a, a lack of sixes. Um, I agree, but I've got I've got my sixes ready to go, mate. And I'm going to go for Charles Olivon. Yeah, very good shot. Very good shot. Um. Yeah, for me. Yeah, I think there's a few more open sides or or players that can play seven um, where there's not many like standout sixes. And for me, Charles Olivon is one of them. Uh, yep. It's interesting. None of Neither of us have gone for a 10 yet. Well, I think there's a few. Te- I don't think there's a standout 10 this year, is there? So I think, well, I think I'm think kind of one, holding off because whoever you one, go for, I can pick. I think there's one that everyone would say is probably better. I don't even think there is. Are you going to say Ontomac? Yeah, I would say that, but I, I'm not necessarily going for him. I, I don't think he's that much further above everyone else, you know. And also, you look at a top-form Farrell, is he is Untermack that much better than him? You look at an on-form Russell, you look at Sexton, you know, you've you bigger... I've always raised Sexton. So, um, yeah, you've got stars everywhere, basically. I was looking at... I know there's one winger you definitely really will want, a certain Scottish winger. Maybe. Um, and I was debating taking him just because... Just to spite me. Yeah, basically. But I'm not. Because I'm nice like that. I'm actually going to go for Alderete at eight. Very good call. I was debating him. That makes my decision a little bit easier, actually. Uh, I think it's between him and Doris, probably, for standout eights. Yeah, I think you're probably um... right. Uh, England, yeah, you wouldn't say Sam Simmons or Don Brandt are in the best of form. Uh, I don't even know who plays eight for Scotland, it's gone up my head. Um, but old um, yeah, is, is, is brilliant. Um, I've got a lot of French in my team now, I've realized. Well, I think that's only natural with the way that, uh, way that yeah, the, 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 the sort of teams are coming in. Proper leader can do it all, big ball carrier, but also offers that bit over the ball. Um, yeah, I like Audrey. Yeah, I like it too. I'm going to go for Ben Earl at six. Um, yes. I was very, 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 very... Actually, I'm not going to say that because I'm actually going to pick that player in a second. I can pick it now, actually. Yeah, you've got two picks. Um, so I'm actually going to... Well, Ben Earl speaks for himself, I think. I think he's probably the most rounded player in the in the tournament. Um, he's just unreal. You just said that by Josh van der Fleer. <laughs> nah, but I, I, think, I think Ben Earl has everything that van der Fleer has but has like oh actually I'll tell you what that's a that's a tough decision between those two now I say it. Um yeah, as you reminded me, Josh Van Fleer is the world player of the year. Yeah, no, true. Okay, yeah, I'll withdraw that comment. Ben Earl is very, very Ben Earl doesn't have a scrum up. Ben Earl does not have a scrum up. No, that's true. Does that make him no I'm not Well, you said him, he's yeah. got everything that Van der Fleer's got. He hasn't got a scrum up. Apart from a scrum up. No, true. That's a good that's a fair point. It's a fair point. Um yeah, so I'm going to go Ben Earl, and I'm actually going to finish my back row off with a little bit of an outsider, Jay. I'm going to go for Michelle Lamara. Uh, eight. Hey. Yeah. Because... Over Caelan Doris. Get yeah, I think so. James, I think so. If you need a leader at the back of that scrum, oof, Lamara in there. I love okay. Lamara. Audrey, yeah, that's what you do if you need an eight at the back of your... <laughs> you need... Mate, genuinely, Lamara, I think he's unbelievable. Um, Very, very good. I think he he's a brilliant leader. He's great over the ball. Can play six, seven, or eight. It'd be it'd be interesting to see where he plays. Whether he'd stick at seven, whether Pledri will come back in and get some game time at 
at six and they put Negri at eight. I, I don't know how that they'll sort of work that one out. Um, but Lamoureux at eight for me, I think he's he's phenomenal. I, I don't think he's a very popular pick either. Um, so no. we'll go for Lamoureux. Just be a bit different, James. Why not? Well, I was just going to say, I've just thought of a brilliant idea for this. What we should have done is done a whole team and then you could, in your team somewhere, you could put one player from like a different country. So like New Zealand or South Africa. That would have been a really clever idea, wouldn't it? It would have been. Should have said that before we started doing it, James. Should have said that, right. Well, I forgot. So <laughs> Always next time. Always next time. Um, I don't know who to go for. Uh, so you've got a hooker. You've also got your whole back row. You've got a nine. Yeah. Um, you've got your centres. So centers. basically, I've got a 10 field fullback and a winger that it makes sense to pick. Um, okay. I'm going to take Freddie Stewart. Yeah. Uh, I think he, under the high ball, although he's a bit been a bit shaky recently, he hasn't actually been as good as he was last year, but I still think he's probably up, he's right up there. Like, yeah. yeah, very solid. Um, I'm, I, again, I don't want to say too much because I'm hoping you've forgotten about some fullbacks. But um, there's there's a certain other fullback that I was very close to. That's why I haven't gone for a ten because I'm like there's two that I don't really care if I've got. Um, same with this one. There's there's a certain other player I've got. But yeah, uh, and as we saw in the Autumn Nations, he offers a, a definite try threat um, going Agreed. forward as well. So yeah, Freddie Stewart, great under the high ball. Now do. I... <sighs> I don't know whether it's go for the Van der Merwe. Mate, that's up to you. You want Duhan, I know you do. He's on my list, but I have other options to go for as well. But so. I'm not going to go for him. I'm going to go for Caden Murley because he's my boy and I love him. And I can't drop. I couldn't. I could not go for him. My boy. Yeah, my boy. that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Good <laughs> fair. Yeah, that so might that, be the first that, Harry Potter reference on the podcast, James. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but quite back three of Murley, Pinot and Stewart. Oosh. Certainly not bad, is it? Certainly not bad at all. That's yeah. fine, though. That's absolutely okay. I think you know who I'm talking about with... Wait, who... mm, I'm going to go for Hugo Keenan at 15. Yeah. Is that, that, is was... that the one you thought I'd forget about? Yeah. yeah that yeah. no. Well, I was hoping, maybe. Because that, that was the two I was like... I was between Stewart and Keenan. I was like... I don't know, but I, I I really think he's really developed because over, a couple of years ago I was not a big fan of Keenan, but I think he's really come into his own and he's very very solid and and, and good in the attack as well. Yeah, that's that's de I definitely I agree. Shows, yeah, I think it shows how far Hogs fallen off though because I don't think if we'd done this two years ago, we would be fighting for Stuart Hogg. Yeah, that's probably true. Probably true. But yeah, I'll go for Keenan, and then I, I will start off with a winger. I will go for Dermot Um Yes, I knew you would. Yeah, I, I think he's. I, yeah, he's just a beast, right? He's like he's just an all-round cracking, cracking player. Is he fit actually? Uh, I think so. I don't know, but I am assuming so. Let me let me uh confirm that whilst you uh keep looking. Right now, I've got a difficult. I don't know who to go for at 10. Okay. And I was kind of hoping you'd take a 10. 
Yeah, well, I was kind of hoping you did the same thing. Yeah, because then it'd make my decision easier, because then I'd know who to go for. Um, Do I'm Van der Merver is fit, by the way, so I just... Yeah, I thought he was. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go... Can I just... Can I just add, Kyle Hatherall is also just signed for Leicester. They are signing players left, right and centre. Kyle Hatherall obviously went really well for, for Worcester um, and then went to La Rochelle, I think. And now he's signed um, for Leicester next year. So very good signing again. I am very glad this is happening now because normally this happens 10 just minutes after we finish, yeah. So well done, well, Leicester. Um, I'm going to go for Jack Willis at seven. Ooh, okay. I like it. Over Tommy Rafael? Over Tommy Rafael. Um, yeah, like for it. me, I, like I said this last week when we were doing our picking our England teams, he's one of the standout sevens in the world. Um, I pretty much think he guarantees uh, a turnover or two a game. Um, he's unbelievable, can carry really well as well. And I think he offers that maybe he's a bit more dominant in that uh, well, I think that's where he really specialises is that ruck area. When you've got Olive on and Audrey, they're not going to be too much in that. Um, whereas, so Jack Willis in there, I think that offers you a good balance. Um, yeah, and I think that back row would do bits. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. That talk about balance, that is beautiful. Willis, Audrey, and Olive on that is that is unreal. To be fair, can't argue with that. Um, I know who I'm getting hooker. Nine, yeah, I I feel like you did well to get to Pont because I do feel there is a drop-off. That's what I said, James. I said that's the easy, that's the easy first pick. Yeah, but then I feel like Furlong, there's a drop-off below, below Furlong as well. So yeah, no, no, you, you are right, you're right. Um, <clears throat> uh, I don't even know who I'm going to pick. 13, for me, I'm going to go for... The, I, don't, I don't think this is really... Um, Gloucester tinge glasses, but I'm going to go for one of the best 13, definitely the best defensive 13 in the world, uh, and Chris Harris. Yeah, I thought you would. I, I was toying with the idea of him as well. I, I thought actually you were going to go for either him or George North. Um, but I think I think that's a good call. No, I wasn't going to go for George North. No. Oh, I've just forgot about Josh Adams. Josh yeah, North. but I could play Fiku 12 if I wanted. I'm debating. True, also true. Um, but that was my two goes. Um, yeah, Chris Harris, yeah, brilliant defensively. Obviously can do uh, bits in attack as well. But when you've got Caden Murley, Pano and Stewart, um, I'm potentially going to pick a, a quite attacking 12 as well. He's there. He can defensively make you very, very solid. Um, as we've seen for Gloucester, when he's not in the team, suddenly they lose a lot of that defensive shape. And he's the one who creates that whole... Um, yeah, that whole emphasis on on defence and he's the first one to go and make a shot. So, yeah, I think um, Harris at 13. Yep, here, here. Good call, good call. Um, Right, 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 right. I'm back on the clock now, aren't I? Back on the clock. Yeah. So, but I'm who... actually going to go for... We should have got the draft noise from the NFL. We played oh, it every time. That would have been quite good. I'm going to go for another winger. I'm going to go for Lewis Reece on it. But he's in the squad. Yeah, but okay. Yeah, he's due well, to come back in the first or second week, right? I think I can go for a different. I'll go for a different player. That's not no, no, you can go for him. But no, just when, when when your team turns up to play my team and I've got 15 players and you've only got 14 because one of them is crocked, 
that's on okay, you. So is this is this fit for the first game then? Is it okay? Well, no, they don't have to be. But I'm just that's saying, fine, if no, they theoretically played tomorrow, your James, team will rock out one player. James, say no more. I could feel the disappointed tone in your voice as soon as I said it. So I, I'm withdrawn. I feel embarrassed. I've got my tail between my legs. I'm I'm retreating. That's fine. I'm going to go for Ange Capuozo. Yes. I was about to say who, and then, yeah. Absolute Six Nations legend already. Ange. Um, it's serious the player. Ange bit. I, got, I got caught up on the Ange. Ange, yeah. Big Ange. It's quite well, I just thought of a woman. Don't be horrible. Don't be horrible. Have you picked no, both but... second rows? Yeah. Yeah, I've got both second rows. That's the only true. positions I haven't got now are positions you've got. A nine, ten, and two. Yeah. And twelve. And twelve. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm going to go for ten, James. I'm going to yep. be bold. I am going to go for. On smoke. Yeah, that's not really bold. That's pretty standard. Yeah, but it was bold to go to make the call right. I was actually going to go Farrell, but um, I've changed because I, I don't think Farrell's kicking has been quite uh, as good recently. Um, so I'm going to go for Onthmac as the my ten of choice. No, this is where you'd be like... shit out, James, and go for Jalbert. <laughs> uh, that definitely wasn't what I was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who do I go for at nine? Um, for me, it's a shootout between two at nine. You've already got your nine, so I, I'll just say my thinking out loud. It's Jack Van Portfleet or um, uh, Gibson Park. Okay. Um, and I like I watch more of JVP, obviously, because we watch the Prem a lot more. But I just like a bit more of what he does around the park. So I'm going to go for JVP in at nine. Cool. Yeah. Um, like and then 12. 12. Who have I got at 12? Um, I'm going to go for on his day, the best 12 in the world. Okay. He has those days not very regularly because he's injured a lot. But on his day, best 12 in the world, Manu Tulane. Okay. Okay, okay. Who did you think I was going to say? I, I, I generally didn't know. I was, I was quite confused. I, I feel I'm... like on, on his day, he can, he's shown that he is unstoppable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. He's a monster on his day, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and it's going to be his day. Whenever he's playing in my team, it's going to be his day. Yeah, so... just that coaching and just belief yeah. you're going to give him. Okay. Well, yeah, you fine. look at the team around him, how could yeah. it not be his day? Nope, <laughs> nope, fair. Absolutely fair. Um, right, you is this your last two? Uh no. Um oh. I've got three to pick. Um so I'm gonna go James Ryan at five. I think just as a pure line out noise, the line out stuff, the, the line out just ability you're gonna have from Atoje and Ryan with Van der Fleer and Lamro, who can also go up. Oh, that's filth. And defensively, oh, it's just unbelievable. I, I might have even put Adam Beard at six just to really flipping mess it all up, but We'll go Atoje and Ryan at four and five, just because that is a line on Knowles' dream. Um, then as my prop, it doesn't really matter which one I go for first, so I'm going to go for Unai Antonio at three. Um, just an absolute fridge freezer, really, isn't he? Just a, a pure carry machine. And he can do, do the 80, I think. 
I'd back Furlong over him to do the 80, but... Um, yeah, oh, yeah, yes. yeah, for sure. Yeah, but isn't Antonio, like, three stone heavier or something crazy like that? Yeah, Antonio's a wedge. He is one of those props that where Furlong might do you for technique, Antonio just, you just can't move him. Yeah. <laughs> um, Absolutely. For my hooker, I'm actually going to go... Arguably, I would have gone this way anyway. I'm going to go for Julian Marchand. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. I think once you're looking at hookers, right, it's Marchand or it's or it's Sheehan, really. Um, especially with all of England's, uh, I think Luke Cowan Dickey might be in with a show. Maybe Jamie George, but um, Ken yeah. Owens, Wales skipper now. Ken Owens, yeah. I, I, I feel like he's a little bit past it. No offense to Ken Owens, but I no, feel like brutal. I'll two or three. You talk about the sheriff, what that. Two or three years ago, he was a top top hooker. Um, yep. Who's Scotland's cap- uh, hooker? I don't even know. Uh, now you're asking. Let me see who's in the squad. Uh, you and Ashman probably. Dave. Sherry. Yeah, that's a bit. It's a bit bad on my part, but um, yeah, Marshawn. I might have gone that way anyway. Brilliant all around the park. Great arrows. Um, and I think Genge, Marshawn, Furlong. Yeah, you're not going to go far wrong with that front row. And then to my great ten, neck as well. I think it's important to add great neck. Yeah, very wide neck. Or is that Camille Shat who's got the very wide That's neck? Shat. Shat's yeah. got the really wide neck. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure Marshawn's is lovely as well. Yeah, Marshawn's probably Camille great. Camille is a different, um, different class. And now ten. So it's basically between Sexton, bigger Finn Russell, or Marcusman. He's not in the squad, so not him. Oh, he is in the squad. Well, you didn't speak about it. You said Farrell. Yeah, but he's still in the squad. For Jalibert. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. It was always coming. It was always coming. It was always coming. It's why I didn't want to choose between Untamak and Jalibert. Because you you knew you were going to get smoke for for picking. Because you... you, Let's be honest, James, because I can read you like a book. You were going to pick Jalibert anyway, but you didn't want to pick Jalibert over Untamak because you know you would have got smoked for it. No, I think France have the best two tens in the Six Nations, probably. Yeah, um, probably not I'd well. say Marcus Smith's probably very, very close. Uh, and then Sexton is unbelievable, but I think he's injured at the moment. Uh, <coughs> uh, so uh, I coughed, but thank you. Um, but yeah, so for me... Picking between Jalibert and Untermach, I, I left it a while because I was like, I don't really care which one I get. I think Untermach offers you a bit more steadiness and game control, but Jalibert offers you a bit more pizzazz. Um, a bit of pizzazz. Can't be a bit of pizzazz. No, you can't be a bit of pizzazz. So I've gone for Jalibert, and he's going to make my backline tick. And I think... I got smoked last year because we did one of these last year, I'm pretty sure, and I picked J- Jalibert and everyone hated it on me for it. But I think I've done well this year, so... Yeah, and then I'll, I'll finish off... I'm oh, sorry, I say, thought you had a player left. Yeah, I'll finish off and just say Sorobai will come in as my prop. Um, so just to, to go over the team... Are you and... all French in the front row? Ooh. I'm not. Well, 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 you are in your props, anyway. Yeah, i got French got French props. But my team is Sorobai, Dan Sheehan, Unai Antonio, Mario Toji, James Ryan, Ben Earl, Josh van der Fleer, and Michel Lamoureux. Uh, DuPont and Untermach at 9 and 
Duan van der Merwe at 11, Moafana and Ringrose as a centre pairing, Capuozo on the other wing, and then finish that back line off with Hugo Keenan. Oof! James, what a team! Yeah, but it would lose to... I think if if we... I don't know if you're going to... No way your team beats mine. No way. My team definitely beats your team. But if my team went out on socials, you'd you'd win just because you're 9-10 combination. Mate, these teams are going out on socials. I was going to weigh up the teams and then see if they'll go out on socials, but I've seen them now. I know mine's better. Well, okay, but where are you going to beat me? Because a front row of Genge, Marchand and Furlong. You beat me in the front row. You beat me in the front row. Hold your front row. Williamsy and Byrne. No, I think I win front row. row. uh, Second row. I think I win second row. How do you? Byrne's better than Ryan and Williamsy's better than Natoja, so... Willemsy's better than a toad. No, he's what? not. He's not. He's not. But... They're different players, James. I got the technical. I think side we of both things, got one player better than the other. Um, okay, we'll call it a draw then on the second row, which I think draw. is ludicrous, but we'll call it a draw. I beat your back row. Olive no on, way you beat Olive my back on row. Jack Willis and Aldrete. Mate, yeah. Lamoureux alone takes that back row. Lamoureux gets folded by Aldrete. No and way. And then Jack Willis. Okay, I'll give you Van der Fleer. But I'll take Olive on over Ben Earl as a six. Yeah, probably on the international stage, right? I think that's fair. Yeah, Ben Earl is more of a seven. You have kind of gone for two sevens. Yeah, well, I'm happy with that. Um, uh, nine and ten, I obviously smoke you. Well, you just because Dupont's better than Van uh, Van Portley, but and Undermark's better than Jalba, so I would say they're very, very close. But, yeah, prob- uh, probably close, but I think I think Undermark's better. Tuolangi and Harris. <sighs> Moafan, I think that is such a good battle. I don't even know who wins that, but I think if you look at that, that is such a good battle. I would say Murfana, Ring Rose, and Harrod. Oof. I would say mine's a bit more balanced in attack and defense. Disagree. That should I tell you what that is, James? That is the words of a man who hasn't watched much of Yoran Murfana play. play no, rugby. I'm just saying Tuolangi's gonna hit you hard in defense. Mate, have you seen <laughs> Moafana? Yeah, I know, but it's Tuolangi. Um and then Wings of Murley and Peno just score tries for fun. Absolutely. Jan van der Merwe and Capuozo, though. Yeah, but Murley and Peno are just better versions. I think that's quite balanced. I think that's quite balanced. And uh, Stewart at fullback. I'll probably give you Stewart, yeah. Probably give you Stewart. So you've given me quite a lot of positions there, really. <laughs> well, we'll put it out to socials, James. We'll let the people decide. Well, yeah, but you're just going to win because of DuPont and Unterback. And that's James, just what's going to happen. James, if you're listening, well, if everyone else is listening to this podcast, Enjoy, enjoy it. Be, be neutral. Be balanced, and just remember, Dupont and Unsmack are probably the best. How many French players have you got? Um, one, two, mm, three, four, five, five. How many have you got? I got two. No, because they're crap. That is horrible. I've horrible. got. How many Englishmen have you got? One, two, three, four. One. I've got five, six. I've got one. I've Do you have six. a player from every nation? I've got one French. I've got a French, an Irish, an English. I've got no Welsh or Italian. I've got no Welsh. I've got no Welsh. Sorry, Welshies. Or Welsh. Well, I would have had a Welsh if James didn't let me out. If let let me let me out a Lewis Resummit, but there we are. I would have uh, put in maybe. Uh, who would I've put in? Um, none of them. Sorry, Wales. Oh, actually, I might have put in uh, what's his name? Scrum hat guy who plays at the back of the scrum. Um, scrum hat guy that plays at the back of the scrum. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> talking about Jack Morgan. Nope. Uh, scrum hat guy that plays at the back of the scrum. 
he's not a nine, he's in the back row. Uh Tipperick, that's the one. That is unbelievable. The disrespect that you just referred to Tipperick as the guy who wears the scrum hat at the back of the scrum. He's not even on the back of the scrum, he's on the side of the scrum. Well, yeah, he's at the back though, isn't it? Uh, I, that is outrageous. I could picture him. I just couldn't bloody get his name. <laughs> that is cool. Can I just add as well, just before we finish up, I will put all of these on social, so make sure you get voting. Vote for James. Which one's the better team? Um, make sure you remember that Wills is significantly better. Um, just before we leave you, we'll give you another transfer bit of news. Um, Josh Bassett is also just signed for Leicester from next season. So if you're a Leicester fan, you've been having a bloody lovely Wednesday. Well, from Queens? Yep. Um he joins Leicester Tigers this summer following the end of his short-term Quinn's contract. So, um, Also, before we go, everyone. we need to do predictions quickly. Oh, yeah, goodness me. Prem's yeah, couldn't it? yeah, the Prem's back. Doing predictions. We're going to fly through these. Tell you what, James, um, I'm 20 minutes late for the gym. I'm going to be in all sorts of trouble when yeah, I Yeah, right. Right, well, quickly. Sale bath. Um, sale. Yeah, I'm going to sale as well. Uh, Leicester Northampton at two o'clock. I don't know why they're kicking off at two. BT Sport broadcast because there's four, uh, four games on BT Sport. Oh yeah, um, well done BT. Do you say Tigers Saints? I'll go Tigers. Uh, same. Sarries Bristol. Um, I will go for Sarries. Yeah, I'm going for Sarries. Exeter Gloucester. Give me Gloucester. Give me Gloucester. Uh- I'm going to go Exeter at home. Um, also, bear in mind, I know it's a bit late to say this, but all the English teams will, will lose all their... Uh, all the players from England will be on training camp. They won't be playing. Yes, um, important to note. Irish Quins. I'm going Irish. Uh, to be different, I'll go Quins. So, yes. as a recap, that is, both of us going for Sale to beat Bath. Both of us going for Leicester to beat Northampton. Both of us going for Surrey to beat Bristol. I have gone for Exeter to beat Gloucester. You have gone for Gloucester to beat Exeter. And uh, you've said Irish will beat Quinns, and I have said Quinns will beat Irish. It's been a bit of a slog, this one, but we had a lot of news, and we wanted to do a draft before the Six Nations starts. It was busy. Before we started recording, we said, wow, what is there to talk about this week? Let's let's try and find some stuff to talk about. And it just flowed, James. It was a busy one. We've done well. We've done another week. Next week... As a bit of a, we've started planning these things now. We uh, weeks in advance, so I can give you a official. little, your little spoiler, or not a spoiler, but a little, little temptation for next week. We're looking at predictions for the Six Nations and who we think is going to be top try scorer, who we think is going to be the flop, maybe not the flop, but because we like to keep things positive. But that sort of thing. If you've got any predictions you'd like us to do, uh, anything you want us to talk about, let us know. Um, thank you for listening, Will. Yeah, and obviously so not, enjoy thank the rugby. You for listening, next... Will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cheers for cheers for talking, James. Um, <laughs> yeah, obviously enjoy your rugby this weekend, guys. We're back to our domestic leagues before we go into a Six Nations period. Um, some big derby days, obviously with Chiefs and Gloucester, and also Tigers versus Saints. So there's going to be some big ones there. Obviously, London Irish Quins as well is a bit of a, a derby as well now. Um, so enjoy your rugby loads on BT Sport all the rest on Prem Rugby TV get excited for the Six Nations try not to bog yourself down with RFU trying to shit on the game Um, and we're going to be positive going forward so enjoy your rugby and we'll see you guys on the next one bye bye